0: what do you think will happen when we start shooting Russian fighter jets out of the sky above Ukraine? This is not a pithy question. When Ukrainian President Zelensky addressed the United States Congress, he asked, his biggest ask was for a no-fly zone, for the United States to help enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine. And I don't understand what Zelensky's doing. My evolution on Of thought on what's happening in Russia and Ukraine um, has reached somewhat of a crucial point here because I don't understand how Zelensky can sit before the United States Congress and ask for a no-fly zone understanding what the implications of a no-fly zone will be. And so this question, and I also don't understand, by the way, how all of our politicians, our elected representatives in Congress aren't asking this question. This should be the first question that any politician, any pundit, anybody weighing in on Russia and Ukraine, let alone the decision makers who are actually in charge of making choices like this, making policy, why this isn't the first question. What would happen? What do you think will happen if the United States starts shooting Russian planes out of the sky? This is a very elementary question. It's a very basic question. It's a very important question. What would happen if we start shooting Russian planes out of the sky. Actually, let me back up. The humanitarian no-fly zone that Zelensky is calling for, the word humanitarian is completely arbitrary. We, all, we already know it's a humanitarian disaster in Ukraine. We can ask these questions while acknowledging that Vladimir Putin is evil, that Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine is absolutely wrong, and that Ukraine has every right in the world to defend their country, their self-determination, and their borders. All of these things can be true at once. But a humanitarian no-fly zone. The the word humanitarian is completely arbitrary to what this is. Whether it's called a humanitarian fly zone or whether it is just called a no-fly zone makes no difference because the what it is of a no-fly zone remains the same. A no-fly zone would be a statement by either Ukraine or the United States, or NATO, or I guess Zelensky is proposing some kind of new international alliance outside of NATO, which would essentially be the same thing as NATO, all these different countries coming to Ukraine's defense and helping them fight this fight. But the no-fly zone would be a prohibition, an announcement of a prohibition of any Russian aircraft in Ukrainian airspace. So what happens when Russia violates this, this verbal prohibition? Well, it, it means nothing, of course, unless there's an enforcement mechanism. The enforcement mechanism um, can't be sanctions. It can't be a verbal slap on the wrist. It can't be some other kind of diplomatic penalty because we've already done those things. Uh, No, the enforcement mechanism of a no-fly zone would be whoever is in charge of enforcing this no-fly zone would shoot down Russian aircraft. So Zelensky is asking the United States Congress to help Ukraine or to put a new, a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which means that the United States would be drawn into the enforcement of this no-fly zone, which means if Vladimir Putin and the Russians encroach on this no-fly zone, what does he want? What does Zelensky want? The United States to shoot down Russian planes? This is the only way to enforce, enforce a no-fly zone. Otherwise it means nothing. So if the United States then enforces a no-fly zone by shooting down Russian planes, then what happens? well, then the United States has become one of the aggressors in this war. And we've become a party to this war. This this then escalates the entire situation between Vladimir Putin and Ukraine, drawing in perhaps NATO, but definitely the United States. Like I said, it depends on if this is a UN no-fly zone or a NATO no-fly zone or a US no-fly zone. Whoever the enforcer is, the United States is now involved in this war. And that's exactly what we don't want. And so this is where I start to become skeptical of Zelensky himself and what he's asking for. Because the rundown, the, what, what I'm talking about right now, the what it is of a no-fly zone, how it's enforced and what the implications of the enforcement are, um, this, is, this is, does not take some expert in foreign policy to understand the implications. This is just the basic understanding of a no-fly zone. Basically, everyone knows that this is how a no-fly zone works. So If Zelensky, or he is, Zelensky is asking for this no-fly zone, but since he is asking for this, he must understand the implications of this. So my question for him is, how is it in the interest of your country to start a conflict between the United States and Russia. Because there there was a time a week ago, two weeks ago, where where Zelensky was asking for things from the United States that the United States, it it wasn't proper for the United States to, to respond according to his demands. You know, We didn't want to be drawn into this conflict between Putin and Ukraine. But I understood why Zelensky was making those asks, because they were in the interest of his country. It just wasn't in our interest, the interest of our country, to... Uh, response to those requests. Well, now the situation has changed. I don't even understand the interest, Zelensky's interest in a no-fly zone. Um, because it's not in the interest of his country to see an escalation because an escalation between Vladimir Putin and NATO or Vladimir Putin and the United States is going to lead to nuclear war. So how is it in that how is that in the interest of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people who are being victimized right now by Putin? How is it in their interest to face a potential nuclear war if the United States or NATO gets involved here? And there's actually one more part to this too. So Zelensky himself, when he made this request to the United States Congress, this this is what he said. Listen, listen to his words. It's through a translator because this part of his speech he was not speaking in English. But listen to how he listen to how he paints this no fly zone. It's it's actually very critical to our understanding of his ask. Take a listen.
1: Now when you need it, right. Now, when we need you right now, remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 20, 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories, in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked, attacked from air. Yes. Just like nobody else expected it, you could not stop it. Our country experiences the same every day. Right now, at this moment, every night for three weeks now, various Ukrainian cities—Odessa and Kharkiv, Chernihiv, Vinnytsia, Zhytomyr, Lviv, Mariupol, and Dnipro—Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands of people. Russian troops have already fired nearly 1,000 missiles at Ukraine, countless bombs. They use drones to kill us with precision. This is a terror that Europe has not seen, has not seen for 80 years. And we are asking for a reply, for an answer uh, to this uh, terror from the whole world. Is this a lot to ask for? To create a no-fly zone over Ukraine, to save people, is this too much to ask? Humanitarian no fly zone. Something that Ukraine uh, that Russia would not be able to terrorize our free cities. If this is too much to ask, we offer an alternative. You know what kind of defense systems we need, S three hundred and other similar systems. You know how much depends on the battlefield on the ability to use aircraft. Powerful, strong air uh, aviation to protect our people.
0: Okay, so Zelensky painted what's happening in Ukraine, which is horrific. It's awful. There's death and carnage everywhere. He's painting this. He's trying to gin up the emotion in the American people, in the American Congress that we felt after Pearl Harbor, that we felt after 9-11. And the reason that he used those two incidents is not just because those two incidents were some of the most horrific carnage that we have seen here in the United States. They were attacks on our soil by hostile foreign entities. The reason that he used those two examples was because those were attacks from the sky. Those were attacks waged from airspace. And so the reason that he's giving those two examples is because he's saying we're facing that same sort of assault from the sky, hence our need for a no-fly zone. But this, when I heard this, this blew my mind because I said, okay, so Zelensky is acknowledging that this war is primarily being fought by the Russians from the sky. He's asking the United States for a no-fly zone, meaning he wants us to enforce it, meaning he wants us to shoot down Russian planes, meaning what does this mean? What is he actually asking for then? He's asking for the United States to fight this war for the Ukrainians. And that, my friends, blew my mind blew my mind. The reaction from the United States Congress to Zelensky's address to them is completely unserious. It's it's primarily theater, to be honest, because First of all, we shouldn't actually be telegraphing to Vladimir Putin what is on the table or what isn't on the table. It's fine for us to have these debates about whether a no-fly zone is idiotic or whether it's very idiotic. Um, We should be having these debates. But the United States Congress should not be telegraphing to Putin exactly what is or is not on the table. That was one of the good things about President Trump is our adversaries and our enemies never knew what to expect from President Trump. They thought everything was on the table, and that's a good thing. That is a good Foreign policy to be unpredictable in the eyes of your enemies. Um, the mob, however, and when I say the mob, I am talking about the American people, and I'm talking about the mob um, as defined by our founders, right? The reason that we have the electoral college versus a pure democracy meaning a direct popular vote for president is because the emotions of the people, it's it's very contagious. Emotion is contagious. We saw this in COVID with fear, you can see this in excitement during sporting events. Emotion is very contagious, but emotion isn't always based on rationality. It isn't always based on reality. If we don't truly know the facts, we know that in this case, between Russia and Ukraine, it's a propaganda war. We don't always know what's true or what's false. The propaganda elicits emotions from us. That emotion is contagious. So this this, this mob mentality among the American people, which we're, we're all guilty of, to be honest, um, this mob mentality is not supposed to be what makes policy decisions. That's actually why we aren't a pure democracy. That's why we have representatives in Congress, because they're supposed to be a beat. You're supposed to take a minute. You're supposed to analyze the, the repercussions, the implications of policy decisions. Um, and so the mob should not be using a motion to pressure our representatives to call for a no fly zone that will ultimately result in a war that we don't want, that will cause a lot of us to die. So that's the first thing. And people are going to die, by the way, obviously. What's happening in Ukraine is heartbreaking. It makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, when that. It makes me sick to my stomach to see the people that are dying. Putin is evil. You you can. One of the questions that a lot of people have is: how can you be skeptical of Zelensky's strategy without appearing to be pro-Putin? Because unfortunately, there are there are some people out there um, who are acting as though they're. Putin, And I obviously don't understand this. Putin is evil. He's a dictator. He's a socialist. He's a former KGB agent. He imprisons people, disappears people, tortures people, um, silences dissidents. I mean, it's it's truly horrific. Murders people. He's a killer. It's truly horrific what Vladimir Putin does and has done and will do and is doing. And both things can be true. You don't have to be pro-Putin to understand that what Zelensky is asking for is, is not wise. Ukraine is is going to be decimated as they are right now. This is not a prediction. This is the reality. Ukraine is going to be decimated. It's happening right now. I mean, we're seeing carnage. An American journalist, um, a cameraman for Fox News, was killed. Another journalist, Benjamin Hall for Fox News, was seriously injured. He reportedly lost part of his leg. Um, A Fox News journalist from Ukraine, a Ukrainian woman who worked with Fox News, she was also killed. And the reason for this, we have to remember the reason for this, is because Biden, Joe Biden, and the left allowed their green agenda. They use their green agenda. They put their green agenda on a higher pedestal than the safety and security and sovereignty of the United States of America. And they did not stop. They did not use the power of our economy to stop Vladimir Putin before this happened. So everything that's happening right now in Ukraine is Joe Biden's fault. The answer, however, is not World War III. we We're going to talk about what the answer is Today I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. What is the answer? What is the answer? So we know we're in a lose-lose scenario right now. We're in a—it's it's basically a binary choice that we didn't have to face. A binary choice because of Joe Biden. So. What do we do? Zelensky's asking us for a no-fly zone. That would be beyond idiotic if we were to do this. We're going to talk about the solution in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about my patriot supply. My friends, one of the biggest problems that all Americans are facing already in 2022 is runaway food prices. Sky-high inflation is hitting everyone hard already. Imagine how much worse it's going to get but I have a solution that you are going to love. Get yourself some long term storage emergency food from My Patriot Supply, America's largest emergency food provider. Hands down, this is the most affordable way to buy emergency food. And by the way, the food is delicious. I know my husband and I keep a store of backup food. He's a full on prepper. We are off the grid here. We are all about the four week emergency food kit. This provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Right now, you too can save $50 on each four week kit you order if you go to my URL preparewithliz.com. Pick up one kit for each person in your family. And then you can laugh at the sky high food prices at the grocery store. But don't wait, go to my URL. It's preparewithliz.com. Go there right now. preparewithliz.com. This is probably my husband's uh, favorite of my URLs. Because like I said, he's he's a prepper to begin with. Join us preparewithliz.com. So the answer is not World War Three. The answer is not to get involved in a NATO-Russia war or a U.S.-Russia war. Only idiots are suggesting that. And some specific idiots that I want to talk about here. Adam Kinzinger in Congress. First of all, this guy, as you know, is on the January 6th committee, the corrupt, fake, pernicious January 6th committee. I don't know any Republican policies that he's embracing right now. He is a deep stater. He's a big government, power-hungry, anti-science tyrant, essentially. He's calling for a no-fly zone. Again, Adam, What do you think the implications of this would be? Do you not understand that a no-fly zone requires an enforcement mechanism, the enforcement mechanism being the U.S. shooting down Russian planes? How do you think Vladimir Putin is going to respond to that? This is is not just a rhetorical question. I actually want these people, our representatives, to answer these questions. What do you think the implications of a no-fly zone would be? How how, how do you implement and enforce a no-fly zone without it leading to a direct conflict with, with Vladimir Putin? And how do you prevent a direct conflict with Vladimir Putin from escalating into a nuclear war? Answer these questions. Answer these questions. The same with Lindsey Graham. Now, Lindsey Graham is calling for the assassination of Vladimir Putin. He keeps telling the Russian people to take Putin out, which is uh, incendiary language. Now, that I have that language, I have less of a problem with than calling for. I mean, he can say whatever he wants, right? Um, I have less of a problem with his language in that statement and more of a problem with the fact that he too is calling for a no-fly zone. His his no-fly zone, he he puts with certain parameters or conditions. If, if chemical weapons are used, he wants a no-fly zone. Senator Roger Wicker is also calling for a no-fly zone. And then we have the mainstream media. We have media outlets on the left who are also pushing. They're basically pro-war. They're warmongering. Politico is writing pieces about the advantages of a no fly zone. The Washington Post is publishing editorials advocating for a no fly zone. These people, I mean, th- this is not just a domestic political difference. This is not just a stupid lawmaker or a stupid mainstream media outlet that doesn't know what they're talking about. These people are advocating for a policy that could cause you and I to die, that could cause, because it would cause. The United States to be pulled into direct conflict with Vladimir Putin. And when that happens, we talked about this. I talked about this last week on the show. I posted the article on my local so everyone could read it themselves. There have been over a hundred war games that have been staged about this exact scenario that's happening right now. I'm talking about Russia invading Ukraine and how this ends up, what the proper policy and military tactics um, should be, what decisions should be made, and what the implications of those decisions would be. And in these war games, more often than not. Vladimir Putin escalates to nuclear war because he is threatened more often than not when the United States becomes involved, when NATO becomes involved, Vladimir Putin reaches for his nuclear weapons. Now, all of this being, all of this being said, I, I said it before and I want to say it again. I, I don't mean this in any sense that we should cave to Vladimir Putin or let his threats determine what we do. No, no, but we should, keep, we should keep everything on the table and we shouldn't telegraph to Vladimir Putin what we're going to do, but we should understand the implications of what our politicians are dragging us into when Kinzinger and Graham and Wicker and then the mainstream media political and Washington Post answer these questions before you make, before you make this, this, this policy your agenda, before you try to drag me and my family and you and your family, before you try to drag us into a war that will result in mass death Think about the implications of what you're calling for. So the answer, of course, is not just a pithy tweet. That's what the left would want. That's what, honestly, a lot of people on the right want too. The answer is not just a pithy tweet. The answer is to de-escalate. The answer is to de-escalate. And I I mentioned this last week for Zelensky to consider Vladimir Putin's terms, even though those terms are not ideal. You're not going to get ideal terms in the situation because the situation is a lose-lose based on Joe Biden and the European Union's decisions about energy rendering us and the European Union um, dependent on Vladimir Putin's oil, on Vladimir Putin's gas. So this is a lose-lose. Like I said, there's no easy answer. De-escalate. Consider Putin's terms. Um, What this will do, of course, Putin is not trustworthy. There's no reason to think that long-term he would maintain the terms of the seal, but what this will do is kick the can down the road. And before Putin can pick up the can again down the road, that is incumbent on us to employ the measures that Biden should have employed that would have prevented Vladimir Putin from waging this aggression, this war in the first place, that Biden should have done when he had the chance. That is the proper course of action. A lot of people on both sides of the aisle are completely wrong on Russia, are completely wrong on Ukraine. They don't understand that our choices here are not just a binary option, that you can decry and condemn what Vladimir Putin is doing as evil. You can support Ukraine's right to defend themselves and also be skeptical of what Zelensky is asking for from the United States or how he is trying to agitate the world to involve others in the war between Ukraine and Russia. Um, all of these things, again, Biden could have prevented all of this. None of this was just destined to happen. This happened because Vladimir Putin felt like he would not be held accountable for what he did. He felt like he had the leverage, the power to make that, the leverage over different countries, whether it be Germany, whether it be the United States, so that his critics just wouldn't be that aggressive when he himself was militarily aggressive because they relied on him and he could easily cut them off. So Biden could have prevented this, but, uh, What Biden did instead, what Biden's been doing instead, we are on, by the way, day 730 of of 15 days to slow the spread here in the United States. This was two years ago. Take a look at this video.
1: We're asking that same sense of community to come together and stand up against this virus. And if everybody in America does what we ask for over the next 15 days, we will see a dramatic difference and we won't have to worry about the ventilators and we won't have to worry about the ICU beds because we won't have our elderly and our people at the greatest risk having to be hospitalized.
0: Day 730 of 15 days to slow the spread. I know that was under the bi- or under the Trump administration and you all know that my biggest criticism of Donald Trump, I think he was a good president for three years and I think he wildly botched up the COVID response. He This is a perfect example of it. Day 730. Like, can you even comprehend that two years later, we're still forced to mask on airplanes, that children are still forced to wear face masks in school, their vaccine mandates? My husband lost his job because of a vaccine mandate in healthcare, that this is still what's happening in our country, 730 days later. By the way, this is also why Donald Trump lost in 2020. So it's not just a commentary on how he did in his fourth year, how he handled COVID. This is why President Trump lost the presidential election in 2020. It's because he embraced this, this, well, Burks, her fear-mongering, her anti-science. He put corrupt bureaucrats in charge and did not fire them when it became evident that they were corrupt and were wrong fear, this kind of fear that they instilled in the American people leads to fiat. It leads to tyranny. It leads to people being conditioned to giving away their freedom for the promise of some kind of security or safety. And this kind of fear was used. It was exploited by the radical left and resulted in electioneering. You know, you can't go to the voting. You can't go cast your ballot at the polling place because you might catch COVID, you might pass COVID. So let's allow drop boxes. Let's allow universal mail-in ballots. Let's degrade signature verification. Let's change early ballot deadlines and how late your ballot can come in and will still be counted. This electioneering, this electioneering was critical to Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 election. It also, of course, as I mentioned, allowed the tyranny and control that's been waged over us the past three years, lockdowns, masks, vaccines. It's the same, the same tyranny that has disallowed dissent, you know, disallowed the question of how, how damaging were lockdowns? How effective were masks and what kind of detrimental impacts did masks have on not only people, but on children? Is this vaccine effective? Is this vaccine safe? all of a sudden because of this fear that begot this control that begot this tyranny that it rendered these questions unaskable it rendered those arbiters of information such as the mainstream media or big tech it's allowed them to censor us to silence us and to make those questions unanswerable this is this this covid-19 pandemic and i this is what democrats had been waiting for My favorite thing about cozy earth sheets is how fresh and how clean and how crisp they feel when you climb into bed. The sheets keep feeling fresh, keep feeling clean even after the first night. Why is that? Well, because the wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. Super gross. Not so with cozy earth. They provide the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature-regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Most Favorite Things list four years in a row. They're made from bamboo. Cozy Earth sheets breathe, so you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round and with thousands of five-star reviews, including mine, of course. It's no wonder that Cozy Earth sheets have become the bedding of choice for interior designers and celebrities. They also offer you a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, and try it out. If you are not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo bedding. 35%. What a deal. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Hurry though, the offer ends soon. That's CozyEarth.com slash liz 35 CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. They're great sheets. You will have uh, no more problems with badly regulated temperature while you sleep on Cozy Earth sheets. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Again, this is is why President Trump lost in 2020. But this is what Democrats were waiting for. Perhaps this is what they were planning for. We all know that Bill Gates um, staged a simulation of a pandemic with partners from all around the world, organizations and governments all around the world, just months before the COVID-19 virus was um, unleashed on the world. And in this coronavirus simulation, this coronavirus simulation that took place just months before COVID, the result of this pandemic, the actions that governments took, the lockdowns, the mask mandates, the vaccines, everything that happened to us in real life happened in Bill Gates's simulation. That, That simulation, that pandemic game that he played, the result of that was exactly what we experienced. This is what the Democrats were waiting for in order to electioneer in order to push their strategy of taking over elections and rigging elections, seizing elections, tilting elections in favor of themselves and away from the vote of the American people. So where are we now, 730 days after that video? 730 days into 15 days to slow the spread. Well, in the UK, 9 out of 10 people who are dying of COVID-19 right right now are, are vaccinated. 90% of people dying from COVID-19 are vaccinated in the UK. We have Senator Mitt Romney here in the United States who has voted in favor of continuing to make preschool-aged children, little tots, mask in the Head Start program. Masking is mandatory. Romney voted in favor of that. Romney voted against rescinding the mask mandate on airplanes, on public transportation, as dictated by the federal government. And this kind of tyranny is anti science. This kind of, I mean, it's ridiculous. I traveled a lot this past week. You guys know I was in Florida, and it's hilarious actually because everyone cheats on their masks, even accepting the premise that masks are effective, which I don't accept, but even accepting the premise that they are the way that people wear their masks on airplanes and in airports is a joke. Like everybody has them pulled below their nose. Everyone constantly puts them under their chin to like take a long break to eat a snack. Um, Everyone's got little holes and gaps on the side of their mask, including me. I do this because otherwise you can't breathe. It's terrible under there and they're ineffective and it's stupid and my daughter hates it, but everyone does this. So even if we accepted the incorrect premise or the false premise that masks work, the way that people wear masks in airports and in schools and everywhere, Um, would be a very ineffective way of wearing them. And yet, these tyrants, these anti-science, pro-tyranny politicians and bureaucrats are still trying to enact their control over us. The American people have had enough, and in, in, in comes, of course, Ukraine and Russia. In comes this warmongering that's happening in Ukraine to distract us. Well, to distract us from what? to distract us from the fact that we now, most of us have had COVID. most A lot of us have, have had COVID twice. Um, most of us understand that we're going to get COVID at some point. People who think the vaccine is effective are welcome to get the vaccine. They're welcome to get boosted. Um, LOL. I don't I don't know what kind of data they're looking at that would cause them to make that decision, but to each his own. Um, but what are they trying to distract us from? Because all of their policy, their, their interventions have been a complete failure well, they're trying to, to distract us from the fact that right now the United States is engaged in negotiations for, uh, for what's called a pandemic pact. Okay, so we all know that half of the people watching my show right now at this very minute are balding men. Yes, you, you know who you are. There's no shame in it, but there is a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. Nutriful is clinically shown to improve hair growth thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It's made of 21 potent natural ingredients and it supports sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. I actually recently learned that a lot of men, their biggest criticism of um, hair growth products is that it reduces sex drive. Well, not so with Nutrafol. Good news for you. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and you can support our show. That's a win-win if I've ever heard it. By going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz, L-I-Z, to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers, and it's only available for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Use my promo code Liz, Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. A pandemic pandemic. Now, what is a pandemic pact? This is something that was um, not sponsored, but spearheaded by the World Health Organization. And um, an article in Nature Magazine, actually from December, several months ago, talks in more detail about, I mean, this is so terrifying. This This is otherworldly. It's hard to believe this is true. This is what they write. Um, Again, this is in December. They say, the latest SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus variant of concern, they are talking about Omicron, world leaders met to negotiate a way of ensuring that a crisis on the scale of the COVID-19 pandemic won't happen again. Initially on the table was a legally binding pandemic treaty that would dictate how nations should respond to future outbreaks. Think about that. A legally binding treaty that would dictate how nations respond to future outbreaks. That means that countries like Sweden, who didn't impose vaccine mandates and didn't impose lockdowns, wouldn't be allowed to do that. That means different states here in the United States, like Florida, wouldn't be allowed to be free states, wouldn't be allowed to follow the science. Our government officials would be bound by a by a legally binding treaty above the level of our government. This is an extra governmental treaty that we the people would be forced to adhere to. Like. Who even gives our lawmakers the right to give away our sovereignty? George W. Bush actually got smacked down by the by the Supreme Court for giving away our sovereignty to the United Nations. I don't see how this is any different. You can't give away our sovereignty. You just can't. You don't have the power and the authority to do that. That's what is happening behind our back right now. This is what the director of the World Health Organization said dr tedros he said omicron demonstrates just why the world needs a new accord on pandemics a new accord on pandemics he says the quote-unquote me first approach approaches from countries that stymie the global solidarity needed to deal with a global threat I mean, this is so terrifying. This is like great reset level stuff, where who exactly is going to be in charge of dictating what the proper way to handle a pandemic is? What country in the world, even even taking us uh, away from the fact for a second that each country has sovereignty and should be able to make their own decisions, who, who has a monopoly on handling COVID-19 absolutely correctly? No country handled it. Perfectly, which means there's going to be these unelected international bureaucrats making these decisions, like the World Health Organization, the UN. Are you joking? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There would be possible sanctions for countries that did not adhere to the dictates of this treaty. Now, there's been some pushback on the idea that this would be a legally binding treaty. Some have wanted to. Um, degrade it into an accord. An accord isn't legally binding the same way that a treaty is. It's more like the Paris Climate Accords, which is an expectation that countries follow it, but it's not a, a legal requirement that can be met by sanctions. Still bad, still awful, still farming out our sovereignty. This is this is horrifying. In fact, there are there are valid concerns. That even an accord, much less a treaty, would lead to places like the UN or the World Health Organization having the power to impose vaccine mandates on you and mask mandates on your children and lockdowns and collection of your personal data and so essentially social credit scores based on how uh, whether your behavior lines up with how they want you to behave. This is now what the warmongering in Ukraine and Russia that the Democrats are suddenly so obsessed with. Um, this, is, this is what they're distracting you from because behind the scenes, they're not done with COVID. You and I might understand that COVID is done. COVID is endemic. COVID is, is here to stay, essentially. We have therapeutics that can help. We have lifestyle changes that can be made to make you less likely to have a fatal case of COVID-19, um, but it's not going to be a zero COVID situation ever. COVID is endemic. COVID is here to stay. The American people now understand that for the most part. Um, the Biden administration doesn't want COVID to be over. And so they distract with warmongering um, while they continue their COVID agenda. The second part of their COVID agenda that they're trying to hide from us is the idea of a digital currency. So look at what happened in Canada. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I talked about modern monetary uh, theory and how a government-issued cryptocurrency completely defeats the purpose of a cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency the purpose of that is so that it is not issued by the government it's supposed to be a separate a separate alternative to a currency issued by a government now you can make the argument that People wouldn't want an alternative currency unless they've lost faith in the U.S. dollar, for example, and that's certainly true. I think that's why 16% of the American people have traded in crypto, because they understand that the spending, the massive spending that the Democrats and Trump um, engaged in has led to inflation. It's devalued our dollar, and so they want they want a, an alternative currency that they don't feel uh, distrust about, that they don't feel is unstable. Well, what would really be awful, is if the federal government issued, if there was a central bank digital currency issued by the federal government. Because, of course, what happened in Canada? What happened in Canada is Trudeau, during his his two weeks of tyranny, he froze cryptocurrency. He find people based on their participation in the in the freedom convoy in the truckers convoy he 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 promised or threatened to track down people for months to come who had financially contributed to the freedom convoy and the way he was able to do this of course was um, by tracking people's online online payments, their online financial history. Banks, he said, are allowed to snoop on people's bank accounts to see exactly what they're spending their money on, to see if they financially contributed to the trucker convoy. That, my friends, is just the beginning. That's just the beginning. A digital currency would require a digital ID, meaning every purchase that you made online would then be traceable, trackable, collectible by the US federal government who, make no mistake, absolutely will, given the opportunity, use that against us. They would Um, I'm sure, prohibit certain types of payments. They would come after certain types of people. They perhaps would be even more pernicious than that and give money to certain people to either keep them quiet or keep them compliant. A central bank digital currency is a Chinese communist-style social credit score. And Joe Biden just issued an executive order ordering this to be studied by the federal government. This is what the Democrats, this is the next stage in their COVID agenda. Yet, they don't want the American people to see this up close and personal. They don't need the American people anymore to feel that fear on a daily basis. This is phase two of their plan. So they're using warmongering in Russia and Ukraine to distract us from this. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is showing us exactly like what I just said about digital currency and how the government will eventually, if given the opportunity, it's not a question of if they'll abuse it; it's a question of when and who they'll abuse. This is not this is not vague. This is not hypothetical. The Biden administration has shown us how they will react to people who are critics of them, who are dissidents, who disagree with radical leftist ideology, who are just reporters reporting the truth about the corruption of Biden or his family members, James O'Keefe. The CEO, the founder of Project Veritas, he's a friend of mine, he released a video showing the FBI, Biden's FBI, raiding the homes of his investigative journalists. Now, full disclosure here, I know these journalists. I know the the, James O'Keefe's journalists who were raided. I know them personally, and it's shocking to see this footage. Remember, before, before I even show you this footage, remember why the FBI is raiding. The FBI is raiding the apartments of these journalists and taking their phones and their technology and subjecting them to this because somebody offered James O'Keefe the diary of Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley Biden, and James O'Keefe decided not to publish it because he couldn't verify it. He couldn't couldn't confirm 100% the veracity of the diary. He didn't want to um, published something that he couldn't confirm, so he gave it back to, he 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 offered it back to the Bidens themselves. They claimed it wasn't true. Um, then he gave it to the police to give, he gave it to authorities, government authorities to give to Ashley Biden. But then the FBI, even though even though the Bidens claimed that this was an inauthentic diary, the FBI then raided not only O'Keefe but several of his journalists. Who were involved in this? Even though, again, they didn't publish anything, and they tried to return it to its rightful owner without saying anything, and this was the result of it. Watch this video.
1: I'm sorry. So, what is this regarding? This is the search warrant. This is, open up. Let me see your Um, all right. That was just a good one. I understand. with me right here. again, for our safety for yours, we're going to have a to sit with you? Yeah. Another team come
0: out, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. split up until the so. Like, The first time I saw that, my jaw actually dropped. It actually dropped. This is the way the Biden administration, make no mistake, not only is this horrific in this individual instance, the reason that the FBI was raiding James O'Keefe and his journalists is a completely invalid, tyrannical, authoritarian breach of our republic. But this also shows us exactly what Joe Biden and his administration, how they are going to treat American citizens who behave in a way that is counter to radical leftist ideology. So warmongering in Ukraine, this Russia-Ukraine war and how the Democrats are are rattling, how the Democrats are trying to rattle us, how, how this could lead, if we make the wrong decision here, this could lead to escalation, that could lead to nuclear war. Um this is a distraction because phase two of Joe Biden's COVID agenda, 730 days into 15 days to slow the spread, is a frightening, a frightening picture that each and every one of us faces. And like I said, they don't need our fear now. They don't need our fear on a day-to-day basis to make this happen. They need us to look away. They need us to be distracted. They need us to, um, they need us to be looking at the war in order for them to exact this control over us. It's an absolutely terrifying prospect. On a separate note, Kanye West has accused Kim Kardashian of withholding his children from him. If this is true, this is so evil. I If this is true, this is just so horrific. And please join me on Locals, lizwheelershow.com Locals. You want to hear my full take on Kim Kardashian and dating Pete Davidson. Like of all people, gross Pete Davidson. I do not understand how that guy gets women. I truly do not. He, um, however, in this Kim K Kanye feud that's happening, well, publicly right now, call me crazy, but I am on team Kanye. Go over to my locals and I will tell you fully why. Cause I think I have a pretty good reason. That's Liz slash locals. Also our locals VIP of the week is all for America, all for America. We are so glad that you are part of the Liz Wheeler Show community. You have been a part of our community. I recognize your username. You've been a part of our community for quite some time. It's a delight to interact with you as it is with everyone else. Um, we're getting tons and tons of new members all the time, new supporters, new VIPs, and we're having a, a great time. I mean, I just this past week, I uh, posted some behind the scenes when I filmed at Dave Rubin's studio down in Florida, um, as I said, we talked about we talked about Haley Bieber suffering a blood clot to the brain and what exactly might have caused that in an otherwise healthy 25 year old woman. And like I said, there's a full take on Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and why Kanye West is right. So join us over there. Liz Wheeler slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay, executive producer Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerella. Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront Production.